get underway with another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. And welcome to it as we head into what is, uh, I don't know, this is always considered to be the most, I think, active day of the week in the Ag Department. Husker Harvest Days <laughs> is dead ahead. Big week for us, so we'll uh, certainly appreciate everybody stopping by. The Rural Radio Network Broadcast Center, west side of Main Street at Husker Harvest Days this week. Come and see us out at the big show but we have today to get through first. All right. Well, let's find out yeah. what those are. So we'll say hello to our crew that I'm sure they're listening right now, sitting up at Husker Harvest Day. Yes. So Out let's wave at them. Big grounds. I've got this set up yet. Husker Harvest Day. <laughs> yeah, kudos for the group setting up right now for us. In Ag News at 1213, Governor Pete Ricketts, of course, on his second Japan trade mission to expand trade opportunities there, came out with a statement on what they've been up to so far. And they've got a busy agenda. Also, one congressman taking the time to tell the story of Ag agriculture as much as he can. We'll talk about that in Ag News. At 1219, Shannon Peterson is chair of the Gothenburg Ag Committee. She's going to join us to talk about Saturday's Nebraska Hand Corn Husking Championships. That'll top off a big week for Nebraska, not only Husker Harvest Days, but the Corn Husking Championships at Gothenburg. Jesse Harding with her final report with us. She got a chance to talk with the governor ahead of that trade mission. That'll be their chat at 1245 for our newsmaker. Shaley Peters with Kevin Koch. He is, uh, or Kevin Cook, rather. He's with Exarbon, and they begin gearing up for their show. That's coming up here later on this month as they move Exarbon to Grand Island. Yeah, good move. Sounds like a very good move for them. All right, Jason Jorgensen on sports. Great week, fan. Great weekend for the Husker volleyball team. Not so much for the football team. (laughs) Get the thoughts of head coach John Cook about the improving young Huskers who really seem to be hitting their stride after a slow start. Also, speaking of Husker football, if you'd like to plan accordingly, the Big Ten has just announced that Nebraska's game with Rutgers at Memorial Stadium on September 23rd will be a 2.30 kickoff. Kind of a traditional time when games used to be played, <laughs> unlike now. They say that never happened. No, we don't, we don't get 2.30 kickoffs very often anymore. And the Cleveland Indians can win their 19th straight game tonight when they open up a series against Detroit. They are two victories shy of the 2002 Moneyball A's for the longest streak since 1935. And speaking of streaks going the other way, what has happened to the L.A. Dodgers, oh, who, who couldn't lose for most of the summer, and now here in the final month of the regular season, they've dropped 10 in a row. That's the first time they've done that since 1992. Baseball is like well, that. It has a history. It is. And uh, you know the Dodgers played so well for so long, and now they... Yeah. They, they should call it the Indians. Take notes. Yes. I forgot what they were doing. So. <laughs> Good point, Joe. <laughs> All right. Over to the business desk we go with Bob Brogan is back here today. We're seeing the pictures of the hurricane damage, and it's not as bad in uh, Florida as expected. Meanwhile, the markets are reacting to that. Insurers and travel companies rising sharply after uh, Irma appeared to be less destructive than many had feared. Royal Caribbean cruises rose 3.3% today and Chubb gained 3.6%. Meanwhile, Nebraska very involved in sending help to uh, help out with the damage in Irma, uh, caused by Irma. 100 Nebraska guardsmen have been sent, members of Task Force 1 are there, and many, many others. Really helps when they downgrade from 5 to 3. All coming up for you today on Midday. 
All right, well, the big controversy here amongst the uh, talking heads at KRVN is, uh, well, we were expecting uh, the worst possible situation that Florida has ever or could ever face. And uh, now some people are saying, well, it's not really that bad. So we go to our weather guy. We go to Paul Perkins for Coolman Repair. It looks like, you know, due to that farther west track of the storm, a lot of Florida not getting the main brunt of uh, Hurricane Irma. Because, you know, we were talking last week, that track going up the entire state yeah. of Florida. But I think a lot of the eastern part was somewhat unscathed. Uh, of course, you can't tell that to people in Jacksonville, Florida, right now in the northeast part of Florida. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. But it is uh, downgrading from that 5 to that 3 here early this morning. Really, that, that cuts at least the winds down from like the 100-plus down to in the 80s. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and they have a tropical storm warning in effect for Atlanta, Georgia, the first ever. <laughs> but right now they have reported a wind gust up to around 51 miles per hour. But it is starting to move in to the Atlanta area now. And Jacksonville, uh, now rain-free. Mm-hmm. And it looks like uh, Hurricane Jose will be... Well off the Florida East Coast as a Category 2 hurricane over the next few days. All right. Well, now that we've taken care of Florida, <laughs> what's, uh, what's happening close to home? Okay, and just to let everybody know, this storm, uh, Irma, will gradually move up to the northwest and then start moving to the northeast on into uh, western Kentucky, then into central and eastern portions of Ohio. Here in our area, though, we're just warm and dry. We do have a few spotty showers and thunderstorms, but mainly... In north central, <clears throat> excuse me, Nebraska, on into the southern panhandle and northeast Colorado, and those rains not kicking up moisture. Our temperatures mostly in the low to mid 70s across the area, but warmer upper 70s to low 80s as you head towards the west. Today going to be unseasonably warm with some sunshine and south winds, thanks to a trough of low pressure making its way through the region. A few isolated thunderstorms possible across the west and north. Closer to some activity as you head towards South Dakota, but otherwise a pretty quiet weather pattern all this week, especially if you're headed to Husker Harvest Days. You'll probably want to drink the water, and luckily we do at the KRBN booth have a lot of bottled water you can stop by and enjoy. Uh, Maybe not as much hot coffee that people will be drinking. Summer-like weather continuing tomorrow through Friday, so Husker Harvest Day is going to be on the warm side, maybe a bit dusty, before we see a new fall of like cold front start to arrive over the weekend. A dome of high pressure covering the plains and Intermountain West to keep it sunny, warm, and dry. A few thunderstorms could pop up as you head towards western areas. That ridge does break down Thursday for a small chance of some thunderstorms. Cooler temperatures and spotty thunderstorms are possible over the weekend with the passage of a cold front. Now, any cool down won't last long in our long term. There's a high likelihood Nebraska and Kansas will be warmer overall than normal for temperatures this weekend through September 24th. Probably just that slight cool down for the weekend. While it may be warmer than normal, the long-term forecast expects no above-normal rainfall this weekend through the 24th in Nebraska and the northern half of Kansas, the southern half of Kansas, and those later periods near normal for rainfall. Weather factors catching the attention of market traders today include heavy rain from now tropical storm Irma and mild weather across the central U.S. this week. The remnants of Irma moving farther inland and will continue to weaken additional rainfall of 2 to 7 inches with locally higher amounts can be expected in the southeast while winds will gradually diminish. 
Significant losses to unharvested crops include cotton and peanuts, very likely. Delta areas wetter after the farther west than expected track of Irma, and that rain will likely further delay their harvest. A weather pattern change will result in a warming trend across the central and eastern U.S. Significant rain will develop later in the week across the northern plains and much of the west. Five-day rain totals could actually reach one to four inches across the drought-ravaged northern high plains. Soil moisture in the southern plains adequate right now for winter wheat planting, but that moisture may be diminishing due to above-normal temperatures and below-normal rainfall. In eastern Australia, dryness is a much concern for wheat and likely the wheat being hurt in the growth stages. Rain is needed to stabilize the crop prospects, but no significant rain in sight for the driest areas of east Aust- central Australia. Ag weather brought to you by Coolman Repair, and we want to, of course, get your outlook for Husker Harvest Days. It looks like it's going to be plenty warm, sunshine, 85 to 90. Luckily, the winds tomorrow are not going to be too much of a problem, about 10 to 15 miles per hour, so hopefully not too much dust skinny kicked up. And just enough to keep it interesting. Uh-huh. All right. Very good. When you need weather anytime, krbn.com. Look at Ag Information. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. For the second time in two years, Governor Pete Ricketts and key administrative officials leading a delegation of ag and business leaders to expand trade and investment opportunities for Nebraskans in Japan. The governor's 2017 international trade mission to Japan began in Tokyo today and will include visits to Saijuka and also the Kansai region later on this week. Department of Economic Development Director Courtney Detlinger and Department of Ag Assistant Director Matt Haybrock are helping lead the governor's Nebraska delegation, which includes members of the state's business and agricultural sectors. Now, this morning, the governor and the delegation participated in the Midwest-U.S.-Japan Association and the Japan-Midwest-U.S. Association Conference. MWJA is comprised of nine Midwestern states, including Nebraska, and was formed to bolster international relationships with companies with a particular interest in growing the central United States. Back in 2016, Governor Ricketts addressed delegates during the 48th annual conference in St. Louis and announced that Omaha will host that 2018 joint conference. One congressman taking time to tell the story of Nebraska agriculture as much as he can. Let's get more on that from Susan Littlefield. Telling the story of agriculture is high on the list of Congressman Don Bacon. Now, when you look at his congressional area, a lot of it is the major cities. So he takes the opportunity, not only when in Nebraska, but in Washington, D.C., to tell the ag story. I do hear from uh, quite a lot of our constituents, of course. Many also know the other side of that story. Uh, one out of four jobs in Nebraska are agriculture, and folks will say, well, that's not true in Omaha. And I go, I don't know if it's one out of four, but it's a, a huge number because we have our banks that their number one customer are, is agriculture. We have transportation, whether the railroads or trucking. We have commodity businesses like Gavilon, food processing companies like ConAgra, Weston Foods. We have ethanol in our district. And you can just keep peeling that back. And so the direct impact, secondary impact, and tertiary impact of agriculture is huge uh, in Omaha. So we just have to tell that story, and I do all the time. The congressman said that agriculture is such a crucial role into the day-to-day life of Nebraskans. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The annual Nebraska Sheep and Goat Producers Meeting held in western Nebraska over the weekend. More on that from Chabella Guzman. Chase.
Saddam, Senior Policy and Information Director for the American Sheep Industry Association, was at the Nebraska Sheep and Goat Producers meeting in Mitchell this past weekend. He says the association has joined with livestock producers in supporting the Foot and Mouth Vaccine Bank. The uh, Foot and Mouth Disease Vaccine Bank, uh, another uh, very important issue to make sure that this country is prepared in the in the event of a uh, of an outbreak of foot and mouth disease, which of course we certainly uh, don't want to see, but we want to make sure that we are prepared if that happened, because that would be very devastating to uh, uh, the sheep industry, cattle, and pork. So uh, we've got a lot of priorities that we're looking at here for the farm bill, and uh, we're going to continue to uh, uh, stress those with our uh, elected officials. The group also heard from Dennis Burson, University of Nebraska meat specialist, on the importance of the different cuts in lamb. Many times producers don't get to see the process of the lamb carcass going into the various cuts of meat and, and to understand some of the value differences that there might be. The meeting wrapped up and Ivan Rush gave a sheep herding demonstration with his Border Collie Stark at the annual Fiber Arts Fair in Mitchell. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Trebella Guzman. Don't forget to stop by the Rural Radio Network Broadcast Center on West Main Street if you're headed out to Husker Harvest Days the next three days. That's our Ag News. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Here on the Roll Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. It's a busy week for us this week, of course. And at the end of the week, Nebraska State Hand Corn Husking Championships again south of Gothenburg this year. Shannon Peterson on the phone with us, chairman of the Gothenburg Ag Committee. Shannon, it's hard to believe uh, this event is here already. Tell us about Saturday. Yes, we've been gearing up since last year, getting ready for this event. Um, we will be having the uh, corn, state hand corn husking contest once again out at Jim and John Heacock's farm south of Gothenburg. Um, we actually start in town with the parade at 10 o'clock, and then we'll be moving everything out there to start our competition right after dinner. We have approximately a little over 40 food and uh, craft vendors that will be out there this year that we've got consigned. So we're really excited about that. We have all sorts of anything from that you can think of. we got cotton candy and fried Oreos to hot dogs and hamburgers for food. So you come on out and we'll get your stomach filled and then you can stick around and watch the corn husking. We also have several different other things going on uh, while the corn husking is going on out there. Right after lunch starting at 1 o'clock we have some of the local dancers coming out to perform and we also have the local gymnastics team coming out to do performances for people out there. Um, starting at 1 o'clock that afternoon. And then we'll have several antique tractor displays, and they'll actually be running a lot of the horse-drawn equipment and some of the old tractor equipment that afternoon during and after the actual corn husking takes place. Well, it's a fun event. It was perfect weather last year. And talk about the competition. If anybody wants to come out and see how uh, the corn husking was done in the old days by hand, this is a great chance to do it. It is. You know, we have some older guys out there that they are absolutely amazing to watch. It just pretty much blows your mind how much corn that those guys can pick. And that's what's really fun about this, too, is anybody can compete in this. We have all sorts of different divisions. Even if they've never done it before, we have a novice division that they can come out. There's always people out there willing to help teach you how to do it, and then you can give it a try and try it yourself. We have lots of teams of horses coming out that will pull the wagons. We'll also this year have uh, some teams giving rides kind of up and down so people can actually go out and watch the contestants a little easier this year. 
so they can really get an idea of what's going on and, and what it used to be like to pick corn many years ago. Shannon Peterson is with us, a chair of the Gothenburg Ag Committee, Nebraska State Hand Corn Husking, taking place Saturday afternoon south of Gothenburg. So Shannon, some of your winners, do they go on to compete in nationals then? Yes, so everyone that wins at the state level can go on and compete at the nationals then. So uh, we've had lots of area people that have gone on around from the Gothenburg area that have gone in the past on to nationals. So, yeah, it's kind of a fun. We're probably one of the earlier competitions um, held right now and stuff, but then all the different states will start holding their competitions, and then they'll all be able, the winners of each division then can go on and compete at nationals. All right, and uh, remind us again, 1230 start. How do we get to the Heacock? Farm. So right south of town, uh, you'll go out to Banner Road, and it's uh, about three miles on west on Banner Road. All paved, uh, all pavement out there, and there's no road construction this year, so that's kind of nice. <laughs> That'll certainly help. Shannon Peterson, chairman of the Gothenburg Ag Committee. Of course, she's part of the big Nebraska State Hand Corn Husking Championships. That's going to be Saturday, starting at 1230, as she mentioned, at the Hecox Farm. Just go south from the Gothenburg Interchange, follow the signs, and you won't miss it. There's also an antique tractor pull at 1 o'clock at the rodeo grounds in Gothenburg. Here on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time for us to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, it was a great weekend for the Husker volleyball team as Nebraska continued to show great improvement as they swept UCLA in back-to-back nights. Head coach John Cook says his team is starting to turn the corner. We're getting a little more settled in what our lineup is and what we want to do, and so I just think continuing to build on that, seeing if we can continue to be consistent, we got to get. Um, we want to continue to develop our middle attack to be just a force you got to deal with. Again, that takes time. Kelly's only really set it for two days, so that's going to take time. I mean, that's a timing thing and a trust thing. And um, I saw a lot of examples where we just we weren't we missed and stuff like that. So continue to build that, and we got to continue to. Uh, find ways to serve tougher. This weekend, the Huskers are scheduled to play three matches in Omaha. The Husker football team fell the 1-1 one and one on the season with a loss at Oregon. Now, NU will host Northern Illinois this Saturday at 11, and the Big Ten Conference has just announced today that the Huskers' September 23rd game against Rutgers at Memorial Stadium will be televised by BTN with a 2.30 central kickoff. Thanks to his two defensive touchdowns and K-State's 55-7 victory over Charlotte on Saturday, Wildcat safety Kendall Adams picked up Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week accolades. It was Adams' first career weekly conference honor and marked the second straight week a Wildcat picked up the Player of the Week accolades. In baseball, the Cleveland Indians can win their 19th straight game when they open up a series against Detroit. Cleveland is two victories shy of the 2002 Moneyball A's for the longest streak since 1935, and they can get within striking distance with a victory tonight. Now, the NL West leading Dodgers are a loss away from their longest skid since moving to L.A. as they open up a series in San Francisco. Believe it or not, L.A. has dropped 10 straight for the first time since 1992, and that was a franchise's worst stretch since the Brooklyn Dodgers lost 16 in a row, dating back to 1944. Don Ulmeyer, the Monday Night Football producer who came up with the phrase must-see TV and leading NBC to the number one prime time spot, died yesterday. He was 72. The Ulmeyer family issued a statement saying it was with heavy hearts that they shared that Don Ulmeyer, our beloved husband, father, and grandfather, has passed away at the age of 72 due to cancer. Speaking of Monday Night Football, there are two games tonight. 
Minnesota takes on New Orleans, and the Broncos start off the season against the L.A. Chargers. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Partly cloudy in Nebraska today with highs in the mid-80s, a little warmer in the west. I'm Dave Schroeder. Volunteers with the Bertrand Area Outreach called Hurricane Relief from the heartland of Nebraska made their way into some Texas communities yesterday delivering relief supplies to survivors of Hurricane Harvey. It's being done in affiliation with the All-American Beef Battalion. The supplies were collected last week in several area communities. They were loaded on a semi in an enclosed trailer pulled by a pickup on Friday. Virginia Kip Bertrand is among the delegation on the relief trip. She said officials in Sour Lake, Texas, told them that there are around 600 houses in the community and not one of them was saved. She said everyone was so appreciative of whatever items was brought from Nebraska. She says the supplies that they brought there was distributed within a couple of hours. They later took on another mission in using their semi to deliver a load of MRE meals and water 18 miles down the road to Kuntz, Texas. Troopers with the Nebraska State Patrol Troop C in Grand Island arrested two men after discovering a large amount of illegal drugs and drug-related items during a traffic stop. It occurred around 2 p.m. Friday as troopers stopped a Chevy Yukon for running a stop sign after exiting Interstate 80. During the traffic stop, the passenger of the vehicle supplied probable cause for troopers to conduct a search. A search of the vehicle revealed a large amount of illegal drugs and drug paraphernalia, including 4,100 illegal drug items, such as packages of THC edibles, THC liquid, and a small amount of cocaine. The driver of California and the passenger also of California were arrested on multiple charges and lodged in the Hamilton County Jail. A legislative candidate is asking Governor Pete Ricketts to appoint her to the seat after the senator she was challenging resigned from office. Michaela Kavanaugh of Omaha submitted an application to Governor Ricketts today. Kavanaugh announced in August that she would run for the seat held by State Senator Joni Craighead of Omaha. Craighead had said she intended to seek re-election but abruptly resigned earlier this month, citing family and business commitments. Kansas's top prison official says protests outside the walls are helping to fuel unrest in state prisons by inspiring inmates to use mass demonstrations to air grievances. Corrections Secretary Joe Norwood said that he doesn't see any other connection between a recent uprising at the Norton Correctional Facility in northwestern Kansas and past disturbances at the maximum security prison in El Dorado. As the severe storm season continues, remember the Weather Watch never sleeps. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Next, we talk livestock futures with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, kind of a slow day, really. Uh, uh, not a ton of activity going on. And I would say mostly uh, spreading. Uh, a lot of bear spreading in, in the uh, livestock markets, uh, uh, both cattle and hogs. So uh, that seemed to dominate the uh, the uh, day. Uh, we did finish uh, mixed in the uh, live cattle and higher in the feeders. But like I said, there was bear spreading going on in both, uh, both arenas, uh, which 
is selling the front end and buying the back end of both, and also in the hogs. So uh, uh, a lot of anticipation that we didn't move a lot of cattle last week and the Packers may need some more uh, this week, but uh, uh, haven't heard of anything uh, concrete uh, coming out as far as bids and obviously uh, in sales. So uh, cutouts were uh, lower again at noon. Uh, didn't help much on the cattle. Uh, they were higher on the hogs, and the hogs, uh, but the cash on the hogs was uh, lower. Uh, so that put a little pressure on the uh, hogs, and there was some bear spreading on it going on there, selling the front, buying the back. Uh, cutouts were higher, but uh, just wasn't enough to uh, bring us back above unchanged. Uh, so we finished moderately lower in the hogs. Uh, and uh, higher in the feeders and mixed in the cattle today. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Total cattle slaughter today estimated 116,000. Uh, last week it was a holiday, 5,000 more than a year ago. Hog slaughter, 450,000, 9,000 more than one year ago. Dewey Nelson reporting. We are now just a couple of weeks out from the 2017 Exarban, which has moved this year. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and here to visit with us today about that and give us an update is Kevin Cook. He's the Executive Director of Agricultural Initiatives with Exarban. And one thing specifically, Kevin, you wanted to talk about this year was your horse shows. They kick off that first weekend. Give us an update on those. Yeah, so the, the fun thing about uh, move, the move to Grand Island is we are now able to put the horse show back in with the livestock show in the same facility, which we haven't had for, for several years, Lincoln and the stock show in Omaha. So the great thing is, is we are moving the horse show that first weekend. Um, we've got, actually, we've got uh, the largest entry number we've had for several years. We have 334, I think, as of yesterday, horse entries. Entries above 300 since 2013. So we're pretty excited about that. I think we picked up a lot of kids from western Nebraska who just probably didn't want to drive to, to Omaha and get through the interstate system and um, those kinds of things. So um, I think we're pretty excited about numbers for this year. And go into a little more detail there, Kevin, because there's really a variety of horse shows. So drawing out several different types of people for anyone interested in this. Saturday the 23rd beginning in the afternoon so our shows on saturday starts at 3 30 and we have the reining classes pole bending classes and barrel racing classes are on on saturday so sunday morning at eight so the english classes so we'll have english and hunter under saddle hunter hack and then we'll have the western horsemanship hopefully all before the lunch break the afternoon so if you're a true western horseman sunday afternoon we'll have the staffle bit classes um, pony pleasure, western pleasure, western horsemanship, and then ranch horse riding. Um, and ranch horse riding is really kind of a a new thing. And and that was, if I understand this correctly, was one of the larger classes at the state horse show this summer. So um, we're pretty excited that we're we're getting more kids involved in our horse program and our horse show. We hope to get back to the point where we were when we were at the old grounds when we had barn with kids showing in the horse show so that's our hope long term and then another thing you wanted to talk about was the auction there are some big changes coming to that this year so the auction is entirely different than it has been several years in omaha there is still a ticketed social event upstairs in that mezzanine or vip area 
Sunday afternoon after the shows are all over, and that starts at 4.30. And if you're interested in getting a ticket for the social, those are $100 social. Um, and the best way is to call the Bonner Park office and ask for Nikki Stoltenberg. Nikki is our Gilka employee that is driving the auction. Um, but that social event runs from 4.30 to 6. And then we will move down into the onto the dirt in the Five Points Arena for the actual auction uh, on the arena floor. The great thing about moving the auction is anybody can participate and, and watch the auction. So you can show up, participate in the auction. It will happen about 6.30 downstairs on the auction floor. We'll have all the exhibitors with their animals doing a couple of things unique that we haven't done before. So Five Points Building, we're going to, as we have the auction going on live on the floor, we're going to have it video live up on the big screen. Um, and we will also have pictures of previous year's winners so that we have some understanding of what the champion steer looked like and brought last year as we sell this year's. All right, thanks so much. Kevin Cook, Executive Director of Agricultural Initiatives with Exarbon, giving an update as we are just a couple of weeks out from the show here. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network and with us, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing and Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Now, corn did finish a little bit higher today. We are all anticipating a government report tomorrow, though, aren't we? Yeah, it'd be a big uh, prime market mover. This September report usually is a lot bigger deal than the October, although I think given the uh, surprise we had last time, probably won't be traded as violently. If it's a bullish report on corn, you're probably going to look at a lot of farmers selling. If it uh, you know, creeps above, say, 370 towards that 380 level for sure. Uh, if it's bearish... You know, I kind of wonder if the producer is going to chase it lower uh, on on some sort of news on that. I, I don't think it's a sell, but I uh, wouldn't be shocked to see another retest of that low we were at just a couple of weeks back. Uh, regardless, though, we are seeing good demand uh, come into the trade. Got a good reports this morning on the uh, on the export inspections numbers, and I expect, uh, you know, that will continue to be the case here as we get into the winter. Overall, when you're uh, a market watcher and uh, look at December corn, December 18 corn, what do you see? Well, that's really more of a sell. If, if you're looking for something to, to, to be a little more conservative with, we're 40 cents spread between December 17 and December 18. You know, I've told a couple guys who want to come in here and, and try to be short. I said, be short in the 18. You know, we're 40 cents. If, if this thing breaks, I can't imagine the spread gets too much wider. So if you're looking at 20 cents down and we take it to, you know, 340 December, uh, you know, puts us right around the 380 December 18. And, um, you know, you can probably make a case for a little bit of a bullish play at that point. 380 to 360 has kind of been the box over the last few, well, the last decade when that red crop, and by red I mean the new crop uh, in, the, in the current marketing year, um, which would be now December 18, uh, tends to be some good value there. So uh, from the buy side, I just don't don't feel uh, I want to join the, the farmers who are holding a lot of physical supply uh, on the long side, and I don't really feel like shorting it here uh, to capture what I think is only 10 to 15 cents of downside. So I'll be patient or sell the carry, one or the other. And November versus November 18 soybeans, it's a little different story. Yeah, no, that's 20 cents tight, 20 cents wide. That That is much more of a spread, that I think, that you can play from a, from a bullish side if you're if you are inclined to be bullish beans, I mean, the supply side for beans is, is much more malleable. We have uh, higher demand relative to supply that we have on hand. So if we get a tight, tight problem somewhere, South American weather, or whether it be, uh, you know, name it, that would that would constrict supply. It could be a freeze. It could be a number of things on the on the bean side. 
I think that spread could really take off. Uh, right now, though, it just it feels to me like the, the farmer is undersold, and that's going to be the play on the board. I think they're going to try to catch this downside. Thanks for the comments, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago.